Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 78. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, as part of the integrative mental health series, which you might be thinking is just going on and on, and I love it personally, so I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. I have a special guest, one of my friends, who is an art therapist in Phoenix, Arizona area, and her name is Lainey Smith. Lainey Smith practices in Phoenix, Arizona, and she has an integrative therapy practice serving children, teens, and adults. As an art therapist, Lainey specializes in using expressive art therapy for kids and adults with traumatic experiences. And she is going to talk to us today about something really different, eco-art therapy. So let's go ahead and get started listening to my interview with the wonderful Lainey Smith. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am really eager to share with you my conversation with Lainey Smith, who is an art therapist in Phoenix, Arizona. Lainey, thanks so much for being on Therapy Chat. Thank you, Laura. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy too. You and I have been getting to know each other online for a couple of years now, and this is our first chance to actually talk in person through this podcast interview. So I'm really excited to share your work with our audience and to hear more about what you do, because I just think that it's so interesting. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. I kind of dig it myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're a fan too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners, your practice is called integrative art therapy. Can you talk to our listeners about what your work is and why your practice has that name? Sure. I, um, I started as an art therapist. I guess it's, it's been about eight years now. I started, um, overseas. And so my, my interest kind of came before I even moved into the, the graduate training and the, the official training as a therapist. I've been looking into mindfulness and Buddhism and healing practices for, I think, as soon as I found the library. I just was super interested and curious about how different practices help with um, healing and wellness and integration. And so even though my formal training is in art therapy, I've, I've always been curious and looking for ways to incorporate that background and those interests um, in mindfulness before, I guess, mindfulness was kind of as popular as, as it is now. I can remember just practicing many meditations, things like washing your hands and focusing on the things around you as grounding activities and really invitations towards compassion and practices of loving kindness. And so that was kind of one piece of the puzzle. And then as, you know, just maturation occurs, I became more and more interested in ways to incorporate physical exercise, yoga, movement, dance, um, nutrition, ways of eating to support brain health. So it really, for me, it it wasn't just art therapy. I mean, art therapy is my primary modality, but I was certainly coming at it from an integrative perspective and looking for ways to help people kind of make that mind-body connection for themselves in order to, to heal and also have healthy, loving relationships with others. I love that. And it's so powerful to, to use mindfulness in making the mind-body connection in therapy. It's, it's just without that connection, you're missing the healing work, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I just think the more that people can, you know, one of the things that I hope therapy chat does is one of my goals really is that people who are listening saying, you know, I would think about going to therapy or, you know, if I could find the right kind of therapy that would be the right fit for me, I would go. And if I were a listener and I heard this, I would be like, I want to go to her. <laughs> I want her to be my therapist because that's so, you know, that just sounds like so much the real nitty gritty work of of therapy to be using movement and art and mindfulness and, you know, the, the relationship, all of that. Yeah, I think honestly, that's that those are the clients that I attract clients that have done traditional a lot of times I hear from clients who have tried CBT and maybe that worked temporarily, um, kind of like brief solution-focused therapy uh, can be powerful for, for short-term issues. But when we're dealing with things like trauma and especially intergenerational trauma and family systems, those things don't happen overnight. And so the healing does not happen overnight. And a lot of times my clients have tried traditional therapies and are really looking for ways to integrate 
uh, parts parts of their story and parts of themselves that are beyond the verbal. And, you know, we, we store sensation from a very, or, or memory rather, as sensation from a really early age. And so a lot of times we can bypass those, you know, our defenses bypass those sensation and those memories at the cognitive level. So being able to move and use parts of your body as well as the art, which is using different parts of the brain, really kind of, it's like a back door. You know, you can get to those issues much quicker without necessarily spending hours and hours, you know, talking on the sofa, so to speak. Yeah. So what prompted me to finally invite you to be my guest on Therapy Chat is hearing some of the things that you're doing now in your practice with eco art therapy. Mm. And I just have to say where your practice is located, I'll let you say it, but it's, it's such a, an ethereal sounding place, the name of the mountain range where you are. So can you talk about that work and, and where the, where it is? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I am in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, my practice, I actually moved specifically to the office I'm in because it's um, adjacent to what's called Dreamy Draw Mountain. So you're right, it does have that ethereal title to it, and it's just, it's really incredible to be able to meet clients, you know, at a mountain when weather permits and you know, the, the intervention is right to take them out of the office and have them connecting with nature, which is an incredibly grounding and integrative practice to just be in nature. You, you hear people for, you know, eons now talking about the power and the healing benefits of nature, but now science is actually you know proving that and showing that when we are kind of outside and and connecting with natural elements that we we do get out of our head and we do start to um, connect in that mindful way that we were discussing. And so it's almost it's almost like a co-therapist for me. It really it, it helps me get the client in the present moment so that we can deal with what's happening right then and right there and kind of move beyond some of the stories that become habitual and, and instrumental. Hmm. Yeah. Dreamy draw mountain. It just sounds so magical. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, it can be really magical. I, um, you know, it, it is the summer or the end of the summer now. So for a few months, I haven't been able to be outside as much as I would like just in the early morning to kind of beat the heat. And those absolutely are my favorite sessions to see the the powerful transformations that can occur when I don't even have the, you know, the box of crayons and the set of paints and all the um, materials of my studio office. It's just me and it's just the client and it's just nature. And that in and of itself is a whole new toolkit of natural materials. And it, it inspires both me and the client to be looking within and finding the natural strengths that we have and the natural resources that we have, which kind of um, debunks the myth that we need all of these other things outside of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. The answer you seek is within. Mm -hmm. So is when you do 
eco art therapy with people? Is it is it always done outside or can you talk about what that is and how you do it? Sure. Yeah. So eco art therapy is a relatively new term. I mean, it's it's kind of a blend between psychotherapy and eco psychology with art therapy. So it's it's a blend and it doesn't necessarily have to be done outdoors um, because, sure, there are times when, like I said, it's 120. We're not necessarily in the blistering sun, but we can get what we need and take it indoors. And so we can um, work from natural materials. We can work with recyclable materials. We can start to call, ask questions of our own natural wisdom that bring forth kind of that innate wisdom that we have. And so just to give you kind of like a concrete example, because that can sound a little ethereal too, (laughs) is for example, we might go outside and collect an object or objects of um, a natural symbol of some sort to represent their recovery or or represent their self at that current moment or to represent who they want to become. So it can really be, you know, the directive can be wide, but it's finding something outside to bring in and to use kind of as your inspiration. So that's one example. There's there's lots of different ways to work with it. Um, For any of the artists who are listening, there's um, Andy Goldsworth, who's a well-known artist who works outdoors. And so all of his artworks are made in nature and they're left in nature. So the only way we really get to see that they exist is through photography. And so a lot of times clients will work in that way too. So there's this idea of impermanence where you're you're seeking wisdom in that moment. So for example, I did a group this weekend with um art, with other therapists and helping professionals and for a while now we've been indoors because of the heat. Of course they always have the invitation to go outside and work in that way or bring in what they need. And we happened to have some issues where there was a a flood or a leak earlier in the week. And I had been out of town, so I was not aware of it until I walked in. And there is this musty smell. And it uh, was definitely not somewhere where I wanted to keep myself or other people for very long because of the, the health risks there. And so it was this beautiful invitation to go outside and, and find everything we need right there. And so I simply invited them to write a letter um, to Mother Nature and share whatever struggle that had been sitting with them for the week, whatever it is that they are needing guidance with or support, and to simply pose those questions, knowing that the answers did not have to be clear yet. And then to find a place in nature, find a um, spot that kind of calls to them and invites them to share the letter. So the letter could be shared aloud or the letter could be shared you know, silently. And then to ask for nature to give a response, to direct them and lead them towards an art activity that would help them clarify what direction to move. And so it was a really beautiful opportunity for them to not only accept that, you know, sometimes we don't have the the conveniences of um, modern culture and air conditioning and indoors and all of that. And yet we can still get everything we need. And so nature was able to really um, give answers for each of them in a way that I didn't necessarily have to, to do a whole lot there except to hold and facilitate and invite them to look within and trust their own process 
as part of the whole, including nature. Wow. And I'll say, first off, that you showed up, you had a leak, a musty smell, like (laughs) that could have derailed everything for so many of us, you know, right there, just like, oh my God, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh, we got to cancel this. Everyone's going to be upset. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, that Mm -hmm. whole fear, worry, like have to be in control kind of sense that I know I have at times and I, I think so many of us have. And then to be able to come up with that just beautiful way of, it's not like, oh, let's make the best of this. It's like, oh, this happened. And so here's what we can do. And also like holding that it's okay for them. Exactly. Yeah. And to show them that it can actually be a growth opportunity. I mean, most of the women there were completely fine to be outside and to be connecting in that way. And and yet there are still some that perhaps it's out of their comfort zone and they're not used to being outside at that time. They're, they usually save their evening nature walks for when the sun goes down and it's a little cooler and more comfortable. And to, to actually invite them to sit with that a little bit, knowing that sometimes that discomfort is not something to move away from, but to lean into, to see how can I, can I expand here and grow from this in a way that it kind of builds your own distress tolerance. And, you know, I, I was walking with a client, an individual client, not that long ago, doing an eco art session. And the, this kind of quote came out that is something that has stuck with me that when, when our capacity for pain expands, our ability to cultivate joy also increases. And so sharing that with a client who's maybe initially resistant to being in the sun and helping her find ways to be comfortable within herself, even when the environment is perhaps not, you know, your first choice. Yeah. So it's kind of that internalizing the belief and understanding that I can be okay, even when things aren't the way that I prefer them to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Even when I don't feel in control of my environment, I can still be okay. I don't always have to have control to be okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, you know, it's a universal human struggle to try to have control over ourselves and our environment. Indeed. Yeah. And such as the, the environment that we find ourselves in now where, you know, it's a very industrialized culture and a lot of what um, eco-psychology and eco-therapy suggest is that because we have this um, kind of man-made desire to control our environment, we are not as in touch with the, the ecological system and our, our earth and our environment. And so that disconnect from um, our environment is kind of what causes um the illness and uh, dis-ease and suffering in the world, that when all of that is in harmony and we're not trying to control everything and we're, we're in kind of a symbiotic relationship with our environment, that we don't have the dysfunction that we see in the behavioral health and mental health system. Mm, yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. And so you're referencing, and you mentioned a name, I didn't quite catch it, but you're referencing eco-therapy, um, eco-psychology. Can you give uh, maybe a resource for people to find out more about that? Sure. So there's James Hillman comes to mind. He is kind of, a, I guess, a, a four, 
forefather of, of ecotherapy before it really became more popular. It's still a developing area of psychology. I I happen to use a workbook called Eco Art Therapy, and it's just full of different activities that you can use with clients. And that one is by Teresa Sweeney. I also have a list of articles, so they're not necessarily books, but there are a lot of articles that I use in reference. And so if anyone is ever interested in kind of getting the names of those, each of those articles, um, I'd be happy to, to share that individually. I'm trying to think of any off the top of my head that aren't articles. I do have another book called Mindfulness in Ecotherapy hmm. or and Ecotherapy. So that's another good one. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to share that if anyone is interested in specific articles that I use. Great. And if people are interested in that, should they email you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. Thank you. So and I'll put these um, resources that you mentioned in the show notes as well as all your contact information when we get finished. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, thanks. Because, you know, there's something about that. It's that sense of wholeness and connectedness with, you know, ourselves, others and nature that is really just feels right. It does. And it, it leads to connection with your creative self, too. So in terms of, you know, the art therapy piece of work that I do, I definitely hear a lot of comments about not being creative and not being artistic and, and how that can uh, potentially prevent someone from benefiting from art therapy. But it's my job to remind them that this is not art education. And so this is not about producing a particular type of image or focusing on skill and technique that it truly is about personal expression and creative exploration. And even if that person turns out not to be particularly inclined towards art, they still can express themselves creatively in the world. There's so many ways to express your own creativity, whether it's with your wardrobe or in your, your decorating or the kitchen and the way you cook or the expression of your work. So I think it's important for people to keep in mind that just because it's art therapy doesn't mean that you have to be artistic. Yes, I clear I'm not an art therapist, but um, I've learned some expressive arts techniques mm -hmm. that can be used in therapy. And often people when I ask, would you like to try an activity for this? And you know, they say, oh, are we going to do art? <laughs> uh -huh. And it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. People say, well, I'm not a good artist. Or for the people who do know themselves to have some artistic ability or talent or even training, oftentimes for them, they go right ahead and draw something that realistically represents what we're talking about rather than what I'm hoping will happen is that they can not be thinking, but just almost just like let their hand do what their hand does with the whatever medium, if it's a colored pencil or uh, oil pastel and see what happens, you know? Yeah, you bring up a really good point, which is kind of the value of expressive arts. Uh, you know, my my particular training was specifically in visual arts. Mm. And I happened to be at a school where I, I had the benefit of um, experiencing a lot of dance movement therapy because uh, we shared some classes. But I was unaware at that time of expressive arts programs where you kind of get to play with all the different 
modalities, whether it's poetry or drama or art or music or dance. And what's really great and what you bring up is that if someone is a skilled artist, that in and of itself can be a defense Mm -hmm. to getting to the actual issue. And so if someone is really adept at drawing, then we might need to be taking them into other areas like painting or movement or even, for example, I do psychodrama. And so that's Mm -hmm. another way to get artists out of their defenses. It's getting them into an uncomfortable, you know, or uncomfortable might not be the right, right word, but a less familiar area so that they have less defense to protect against that area that's kind of preventing them from being who they want to be in the first place. Right, because it's about not going to the place you already know, but Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to step into the place that you don't know, because that's where whatever you're not getting and trying to get to is. Exactly. And so that's that's one thing that I'll speak to a little bit because you mentioned that you had some training in expressive arts. And I think that it's fantastic. The more therapists that have access to those tools in their their kit, the better. And the one thing that differentiates, say, an art therapist from like a counselor who uses expressive arts is that specific training in the materials So, for example, if a client comes to me and like you're discussing, they're really great at drawing and rendering, that tells me kind of like a baseline in terms of an assessment and a a treatment plan. And so if that's where they live comfortably, then we're going to be moving into other materials and the, the materials are used very intentionally and prescriptively as a means to access other parts of the brain that have been kind of kept at bay by staying with what's in the comfort zone. So that's a little bit, I do um, some training and supervision in that. It's called the Expressive Therapies Continuum for anyone listening who has interest in learning more about that. It, um, there is, you know, a, a science behind the art. Yeah. And that, that type of training, I think is really valuable, especially now that we know pretty definitively that, to access emotion and sensations and memories held in the body. As you mentioned earlier, we need to use Mm nonverbal methods. So do you do that type of supervision and training everywhere or just in Phoenix? Like, is it for anybody, any therapist? So I currently do it in Phoenix, you know, face to face. And then if someone is not in the area and they um, are looking for some kind of supervision or consultation, I can do, um, you know, video uh, distance supervision. Okay. So I would assume probably consultation for people who are not in Arizona and Mm -hmm. supervision for Arizona licensed people. Yeah, because the way it's set, well, actually, I take that back because even I did some of my supervision state to state. I was in Arizona and mine was in my supervisor at the time was in New Mexico. So because art therapy is such a niche and a small kind of population, sometimes it can be difficult to find a supervisor. And so um, you can be doing your training and your actual clinical hours in, in one state and then do the video component Um, A lot of times I'll have people like email images so that we can be looking at the artwork, but it can be 
um, cross state for the supervision for the registered art therapist. Now, for someone who's maybe a counselor who's interested in using art therapy or a social worker or marriage and family therapist, it would be considered consultation. Got it. Got it. So that's good because good uh, distinction so that people mm-hmm. know because those of us who are licensed therapists were taught pretty heavily that you're not supposed to, you know, supervision across state lines won't count or whatever, depending on your, um, your license. So it's good to know for our therapists that that's available potentially and people Mm -hmm. can get in touch with you for that. So good. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about the nonverbal aspect of art therapy and how it helps people. And I'd also love for you to talk about how, your work can be used to support self-care. Sure. Yeah, I actually um, do workshops on this very topic of you know creative self-care because I think with modern day responsibilities and as much as people juggle, that we really have to get creative about how we're going to take care of ourselves. And so just to answer your, your first question there about the nonverbal, I think that Having a body awareness and a relationship to your body is is really foundational. And so tuning into those parts of ourself allow us to kind of tap into the nonverbal pieces. We stay um, our culture and our society just happens to to really promote a lot of analytical and cognitive processing. And so we can be in our heads a lot. And Mm. so for a lot of my clients, it's about giving them permission to take a a thinking break, you know, that you think all day long. And in a lot of ways that has served you and protected you from having to maybe feel some of the uncomfortable things that you've not wanted to feel, but really encouraging them to get in touch with you know, emotions and feelings and sensations that are beyond words. And so for that reason, the art can be incredibly powerful. Movement can be, you know, very helpful. And I really have clients before we're even digging in to some of the the deeper um, nonverbal stuff is to, to tap into their breath. I mean, that really probably one of the first pieces of homework that I'm giving clients is start following your breath, because it is nonverbal. It is going to balance your central nervous system. And it is going to get you out of your head so that you can start becoming more and more aware of what's happening in your body and with your feelings and paying attention. And so um, as far as the self-care piece goes, um, it really, it depends on the client because I'm meeting everyone you know, on an individual level and everyone's schedule is different and everyone's needs are different and the things that they gravitate gravitate toward will be varied. And so the self-care piece becomes a large part of the treatment plan for how can I take care of myself despite having these responsibilities, despite having different people wanting different things from me. And perhaps me not really even knowing how to take care of myself yet. So I'm kind of teaching them because, you know, even for therapists and healers and helpers, a lot of times we grew up in places that didn't teach us good self-care. So while graduate school and training prepare us some, we're still carrying, you know, a fair amount of um, 
habitual behavior. And so there's still opportunity there to unlearn some things and then relearn some things so that we can be that much more helpful to our clients. Yeah, I I want to ask you if you'll say a little bit more about that, those habitual patterns and growing up in ways where we never learned how to put self-care first. Can you talk about that a little more? Because I sure. think that's something that so many of us therapists really do struggle with and we're not even aware of it. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And that's part of the reason that I do work you know, specifically with helpers and healers is because honestly, I feel like we're in a culture that values um, fast pace, immediate gratification so much that it starts to show up even in the behavioral health system. You know, like I mentioned earlier with the brief solution focused therapy. And uh, I just, I just feel like it takes longer than that to, to undo certain patterns. And so For a lot of therapists, you know, it's not something that they're necessarily aware of fully. They just know that they want to help. And so many therapists are natural therapists because of the households that they grow up in, that they become, you know, that's their kind of their gift is to listen and to be compassionate and empathetic. And yet it can become the, the opposite. It can start to work against you when you're not taught to take care of yourself first in order to help others. It's the whole cup runneth over philosophy. If your cup's not full or your gas tank tank is starting to run on empty, then you're not of service. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's no longer of benefit to the client. So in some ways, you know, ethically, you really need to be taking care of yourself as a means to take care of other people. And so as far as what you're taught growing up, I mean, I do think that varies from household to household. But I think that the the one common um, factor is that regulating stress and regulating emotions is not something that has necessarily been taught for generations and generations. You know, we're just now getting into a culture of consciousness where self-help and therapy and psychology and all of that is just at your fingertips. And so, you know, I'll just speak from, from my own history, for example, both sides of my parents, um, parents, which would be my grandparents were not adept at regulating their stress and emotions at all. So there's no way that my parents could have known how to do that. They hadn't been shown. And so for me to learn that was, you know, an incredible feat, but something so valuable because it allows me to be in session with clients in a way that when they, when they show up, I definitely feel their stress, I can feel their pain, and I'm in touch with what's in the room. But when they leave, that's no longer mine. And I don't have to fix that. And I don't have to carry that. And I can regulate my own stress by simply acknowledging that there's there's a large separation between me and between them. And I think that when you grow up in a dysfunctional home, there's a certain amount of enmeshment that doesn't allow you to understand what is mine and what is yours. Yeah. And that's so beautifully described. Thank you. I mean, that was really like, just right. I I think that so many people are listening and going, whoa, what? Let me rewind that last five minutes. Because not that it wasn't clear, but it's just so much. But yeah, and what we consider 
quote unquote, a dysfunctional home, it might not have looked dysfunctional to anybody else. It might not have, there might not have been anything that happened that everybody, all the neighbors were like, oh, the, the Jones family, they, you know, oh, they're, you know, out in the front yard yelling at each other. No, it's more just that enmeshment where the child felt responsible for taking care of the parents' emotions instead of the parents taking care of the child's emotions. And in that paradigm of 20th century to begin with, um, the time when we were born, you know, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, nobody was helping them with their emotions. No one was saying, Oh, you feel sad. And you know, you can go to therapy and, you know, it's just like these things are happening. You're living through wars, depressions, you know, major cultural shifts and, you just suck it up and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's about survival. Exactly. And 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 beautifully, you know, luckily and fortunately, we're in a place where science and everything else is catching up that we don't have to live that way and we can see the areas that you know, we can regulate our central nervous system and and have all all of our parts work together, you know, it's not just living in your head or operating out of feeling only it's letting that symphony work together. Yeah. Which is another beautiful point that all the parts of us are what makes us who we are. And that's, there's no part that isn't okay to have. Yeah. And, and it's about even, you know, leaning in a little, I think um, it's, it's so very tempting, especially in U S culture to um, distract ourselves and busy ourselves with productivity Um, so that we don't have to feel the parts of ourselves that we don't particularly like, but to be curious about those. And that's, you know, the beauty of some of the philosophies we mentioned earlier is just about mindfulness is a curiosity and an awareness rather than having to understand cognitively and intellectually. It's just staying open to whatever those lessons are and leaning into that curiously so that you you don't necessarily have to be run by those um, unconscious behaviors. Yes. Oh, so beautifully said. Lainey, thank you. This has been so lovely to talk with you today. I have really chat. enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> thank you for having me. I love it. So for everyone who's listening and saying, Lainey Smith, I got to know more. Where can they find out what you're doing and get in touch with you if they'd like to work with you in some capacity? Sure. My website is integrativearttherapy.net. And I do have um, a link on there to another website that's specifically for events. Um, I do a Heart Matters retreat um, event for couples using eco art therapy Mm. uh, with actually my spouse and partner who is also a therapist. So both of those sites are available to you. And through there, you can find my phone number and my email and contact information. So certainly happy to answer any questions and be of support in any way I can. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lainey, for being on Therapy Chat today. Thank you, Laura. Oh, I just love that conversation with Lainey Smith. After hearing her and the work she does, I just, I want her to be my therapist, but we can't do that because we're friends. Plus, she's in Arizona and I'm in Maryland. So unless she were licensed in Maryland, she can't be my therapist. She can't be my therapist anyway because she's my friend. But she would make a great therapist for everybody else, especially people in Arizona. 
I hope you enjoyed our interview as much as I did. As always, thank you so much for listening to Therapy Chat. I have a survey on the Therapy Chat website, and I would be so grateful if you would take the time to answer the brief questions on the survey. I'm trying to get more information about who listens. So thanks again, as always, for listening to Therapy Chat. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, I'm Laura Reagan, host of Therapy Chat, and I'm a trauma therapist in private practice outside of Baltimore. I specialize in helping clients with complex trauma related to childhood abuse or loss or attachment trauma during childhood. And I also specialize in helping survivors of sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse. So this is not easy work and it can be very isolating, which is why I created two online communities for trauma therapists. Trauma Therapists Unite is a Facebook group that is secret and only for licensed clinicians. And the idea of Trauma Therapists Unite is a community and space for support and sharing resources getting connected with other trauma therapists, and building your own network of people who support you, whether they're local to your area or not. I've made some great friendships online with other therapists through Facebook, but not all of them are trauma therapists. So I think there's a need for a space where trauma therapists can gather. And then when you want to do clinical consultation, since we can't do that in a Facebook group, You can say, hey, is anybody available at five o'clock to talk on the phone about a tough case I had? Or, hey, I'm available and I would love to support anyone who's seeking consultation today. Or, hey, you're in my area. Let's meet for coffee and brainstorm about our work and share support and connection. So... Trauma Therapists Unite is a free Facebook group for that purpose. It is not for clinical consultation because we cannot share client information in a Facebook group. We all know that. But because of the isolating nature of trauma work, especially when you're in private practice, but in agencies too, it can be very isolating because it's kind of the nature of trauma work. So with that isolating nature in mind, I created Trauma Therapists Unite for us to gather, support one another, and share resources. And I hope you will join us. 
There is a process to join the group that includes providing information about your credentials. And all of that information is in the group. So when you request to join, you'll see the rules. The other resource that I wanted to tell you about is a paid membership community, the trauma therapist community, which includes online clinical consultation off Facebook using a secure platform of video sessions once a month and more if desired. And groups are also available in person. So check my website, lauraregan.lcswc.com slash join for all the information about the trauma therapist community. Thanks so much for your support. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.